Facing the Crisis. This is a special edition entitled The Temporal Millennium. Before we proceed with the study on the doctrine of the temporal millennium, the listener needs to realize that the Bible does not substantiate this doctrine. But the whole world is now talking about it, and millions upon millions are being deceived by believing a lie. For they have been taught that this coming millennium will be a time of peace and safety, that Christ will come and set up a temporal kingdom. But God says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 3, For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. As this doctrinal error continues to be propagated, it will finally build to a crescendo as we approach the century mark, and will continue to do so even far beyond. Many Seventh-day Adventists may be caught up in this secular excitement and be swept into Satan's trap of deception. Before I go further, I must pause here to give thanks to D. F. Griggs for much of the following, for which I am most grateful. In a few days, Pope John Paul, with many of his prelates, will be in Jerusalem for the Millennium New Year's celebration. The Pope has invited leaders of all faiths and denominations to join him in this Millennium celebration event. Furthermore, all faiths, all denominations and churches have been invited to join the Pope in partaking and celebrating the so-called Holy Eucharist in honor of the new millennium. Knowing how our church leaders have been encouraging the ecumenical movement, I believe that the Seventh-day Adventist Church will be represented at this pagan celebration. Books authored by Catholics, such as The Thunder of Justice by Ted and Maureen Flynn, and The Keys of This Blood by Malachi Martin, have both predicted that miracles with signs and wonders will soon appear in the heavens as a precursor of the soon return of Jesus. And in addition, the Pope fully believes that he is the one that will fulfill the prophecy of Revelation 12.1, that he is to rule this world with a rod of iron in a new world order completely dominated by the papacy. Satan knows that his time is short, and he knows what the Bible 
and the spirit of prophecy says about the end time events. In the writings of Ellen White, we find this version of signs and wonders in the heavens, quote, fearful sights of a supernatural character will soon be revealed in the heavens in token of the power of miracle-working demons. The spirits of devils will go forth to the kings of the earth and to the whole world to fasten them in deception and urge them on to unite with Satan in his last struggle against the government of heaven. Maranatha, page 210. Quote, It is the lying wonders of the devil that will take the whole world captive and he will cause fire to come down from heaven in the sight of men. Revelation 13, 13 and Selected Messages 2, page 51. In the book Maranatha 206, quote, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Satan will go to the extent of his power to harass, tempt, and mislead God's people. Unquote. Now before we proceed, will you join me in prayer? Let us pray. O oh, loving Father, as we contemplate the mysteries of Satan so soon to be displayed before us, we ask for thy divine help to awaken us to thy divine counsel and grant us heavenly discernment so we may not be captivated by Satan. This we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, let us turn first to God's Word. I am going to read what is to take place in this temporal millennium by the power of Satan. I am reading from Revelation 13, 13 to 18. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast, which had the wound by the sword, and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark 
or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred threescore and six. The celebration of the temporal millennium will not be just another New Year's party. According to numerous sources, this jubilee affair will be an ongoing event for many months while a new world order is being ushered in. Let us now take a look at what the spirit of prophecy has to say about the doctrine of the temporal millennium. Quote, the popular view of the spiritual reign of Christ, a temporal millennium before the end of the world, was not sustained by the word of God. This doctrine pointed to a thousand years of righteousness and peace before the personal coming of the Lord, put far off the terrors of the day of God. But, pleasing though it may be, it is contrary to the teachings of Christ and his apostles, who declared that the wheat and the tares are to grow together until the harvest, the end of the world, that evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, that in the last days perilous times shall come, and that the kingdom of darkness shall continue until the advent of the Lord and shall be consumed with the spirit of his mouth and be destroyed with the brightness of his coming. The doctrine of the world's conversion and the spiritual reign of Christ was not held by the apostolic church it was not generally accepted by Christians until about the beginning of the 18th century. Like every other error, its results were evil. That was taken from Great Controversy, page 321. Therefore, as this temporal millennial develops, we must expect great changes soon to take place. Malachi Martin, in his papal prophetic book, The Keys of This Blood, gives the Catholic view of a new world order, which is soon to be ushered in. These forthcoming statements not only affect the world itself, but also every soul around the globe. According to Mr. Martin, I quote, Willing or not, ready or not, we are all involved. Our way of life as individuals and as citizens of the nation, our families and our jobs, our trade and commerce and money, our educational systems and our religions 
and our cultures, even the badge of our national identity, which most of us have already taken for granted, all will have been radically altered forever. No one can be exempted from its effects. No sector of our lives will remain untouched. That's found in the Keys of This Blood, page 15. Now, what are all these changes that Malachi Martin is referring to? Could it be that Ellen White wrote about this in her book, The Great Controversy, in the chapter called The Aims of the Papacy? I quote, The Roman Church is far-reaching <clears throat> in her plans and modes of operation. She is employing every device to extend her influence and increase her power in preparation for a fierce and determined conflict to regain control of the world and to reestablish persecution and to undo all that Protestantism has done. The Great Controversy, page 565 and 566. What an amazing picture of what is just before us. Dear friend, soon we shall face the sign of the very end of time. As nearly all Seventh-day Adventists would state, the major sign indicating the return of Jesus will be the passage and enactment of a Sunday law. In fact, most Adventists would probably say that this event should be considered a time to become really serious in preparing ourselves to meet Jesus. But the problem about this type of thinking, thinking is that it is exactly what Satan wants us to do because putting off character building into the future will be absolutely fatal. According to the spirit of prophecy, I quote, the Sunday movement is now making its way in darkness. The leaders are concealing the true issue and many who unite in the movement do not themselves see whither the undercurrent is tending. Its professions are mild and apparently Christian, but when it shall speak, it will reveal the spirit of the dragon. Testimonies, Volume 5, page 452. Beloved, we should be preparing for this final crisis now because we have been warned over and over again and again that it will come suddenly as an overwhelming surprise and with a binding force. Those who have waited too long will simply not have enough time to achieve the standard of character necessary for God's final test. Now, 
just when we should be making every effort to be ready? So many of God's remnant people have fallen into a Laodicean sleep, not fully realizing the lateness of the hour. I quote, God's people have such an important message to present to the world that we are represented as holding in our hands the bread of life. For a famishing world, this is the last message. Testimonies, Volume 5, page 206-207. But alas, how true, the majority of us are slumbering Christians. Spiritually speaking, we are in poverty, nakedness, and blindness, and the cure can only come from heaven through Christ and his righteousness. Quote, In a little while, everyone who is a child of God will have his seal placed upon him. Oh, that it may be placed upon our foreheads. Who can endure the thought of being passed by when the angel goes forth to seal the servants of God? in their foreheads. Review and Herald, May 28, 1889. I quote, Many are who suppose that they are going to heaven are blindfolded by the world. Are you listening? Their ideas of what constitute a religious education and a religious discipline are vague resting only upon possibilities. There are many who have no intelligent hope and are running great risk in practicing the very things which Jesus has taught that they should not do in eating, drinking, and dressing, binding themselves up with the world in a variety of ways, they have yet to learn the serious lesson so essential to growth in spirituality, to come out from the world and be separate. That was taken from Heavenly Places, page 167. Now let us consider the recent rapid movements of the Sunday agitation. First, Pope John Paul's letter of July 1998, entitled Dies Domini, which was released to agitate Sunday worship. Then next we must consider Pope John Paul's extraordinary amount of travel throughout the world in his attempt to evangelize all the world before the year 2000. Then we must consider the labor unions and the part they will play. This will be followed by the morals of society in the context of the so-called Christian Sabbath. And finally, Pope John Paul's trip to Jerusalem to usher in the year 2000 the long-expected millennium. 
Now with these five items in mind, let us begin. I quote, In the movements now in progress in the United States to secure for the institutions and the usage of the church the support of the state, Protestants are following in the steps of papists. Nay, more, they are opening the door for the papacy to regain in Protestant America the supremacy which he has lost in the old world. And that which gives greater significance to this movement is the fact that the principal object contemplated is the enforcement of Sunday observance, a custom which originated with Rome and which she claims as the sign of her authority. It is the spirit of the papacy, the spirit of conformity to worldly customs, the veneration for human traditions above the commandments of God that is permeating the Protestant churches and leading them to do the same work of Sunday exaltation which the papacy has done before them. And now notice the steps to Sunday observance in the past. Royal edicts, general councils, and church ordinances sustained by secular power were the steps in which the pagan festival attained to its position of honor in the Christian world. Great Controversy, page 573-574. In July of 1998, in a letter from Pope John Paul, he addressed another issue, how church attendance has dropped dramatically the last few years. He blamed the sport craze for taking everyone away from church to attend games on the so-called Sunday Sabbath. One often sees in print now the words Sunday Sabbath or Christian Sabbath, especially when one is addressing the issues of America's moral breakdown in society and how it generally connects to non-attendance in church-going. Individuals will, ever quote, will even quote the scriptures of Isaiah 58, 13-14 to give it validity. I think that most of us would agree that America has a problem with crime, corruption, and a court system that is unable to solve the social maladies that are sweeping across America. In fact, Ellen White addressed these issues about the morals of society in her day, and she counseled that it will only get worse and worse. I quote, Courts of justice are corrupt. Rulers are actuated by desire for gain, 
and love of sensual pleasure. Intemperance has beclouded the faculties of many, so that Satan has almost complete control of them. Jurists are perverted, bribed, deluded, drunkenness and revelry, passion, envy, dishonesty of every sort are represented among those who administer the laws. Justice standeth afar off, for truth is fallen in the streets, and equity cannot enter. Isaiah 59:14. As I read further, the claims of the fourth commandment are urged upon the people. It is found that the observance of the seventh-day Sabbath is enjoined, and as the only way to free themselves from a duty which they are unwilling to perform, many popular teachers declare that the law of God is no longer binding. Thus, they cast away the law and the Sabbath together. Yet, this very class put forth the claim that the fast-spreading corruption is largely attributable to the desecration of the so-called Christian Sabbath, and that the enforcement of Sunday observance would greatly improve the morals of society. This claim is especially urged in America, where the doctrine of the true Sabbath has been most widely preached. Great Controversy 586-587. But remember, friend, we are to have no partnership with the world in such teachings. Did you notice that labor unions were quick to get in line when Pope John Paul came out in his letter in July 1998 that stated people should have a day of rest each week? By working seven days a week, no one can attend church. It was also brought out again in the letter that church attendance has fallen sharply in the last few years. Ellen White has words of advice and warned us to stay away from unions and confederacies. She stated in no uncertain terms, quote, Satan is busily at work in our crowded cities. Strife and discord between labor and capital, causing men to unite with confederacies and unions, binding themselves up in bundles for the burning of the great fires of the last days. Evangelism, page 26. She then wrote in Selected Messages, volume 2, page 141, the time is fast coming when the controlling power of the labor unions will be very oppressive. And hear this startling assertion. Quote, the trade unions will be the one of the agencies that will bring upon the earth a time of trouble such as has not been since the world began. Selected Messages, Volume 2, page 142. 
And that is something to really think about. And we are further told, quote, Nations will be stirred to their very center. Support will be withdrawn from those who proclaim God's only standard of righteousness, the only sure test of character, and all who will not bow to the decree of the national councils and obey the national laws to exalt the Sabbath instituted by the man of sin to the disregard of God's holy day will feel not the oppressive power of popery alone, but the Protestant world, the image of the beast. Selected Messages, Volume 2, page 390. Did you notice once again the steps to a Sunday law? First, a royal edict, such as the Pope's recent letter, to be followed by general councils so soon to appear on the horizon, followed by church ordinances that are to be sustained by secular power. Yes, a change is coming, a change in this new temporal millennium. I quote, our people have been regarded as too insignificant to be worthy of notice, but a change will come. The Christian world is now making movements which will necessarily bring commandment-keeping people into prominence. Testimonies, Volume 5, page 546. We have been warned, quote, as spiritualism more closely imitates the nominal Christianity of the day. It has greater power to deceive and ensnare. Satan himself is converted after a, the modern order of things. He will appear in the character of an angel of light. Through the agency of spiritualism, miracles will be wrought. The sick will be healed and many undeniable wonders will be performed. And may I add here, this is happening today in the apparitions of the Virgin Mary, for millions are being captured with these inventions of Satan. I quote again, And as the spirits will profess faith in the Bible, and manifest respect for the institutions of the church, their work will be accepted as a manifestation of divine power. The line of distinction between professed Christians and the ungodly is now hardly distinguishable. Church members love what the world loves and are ready to join with them and Satan determines to unite them in one body, and thus strengthen his cause by sweeping all into the ranks of spiritualism. Papists, who boast of miracles as a certain sign of the true church, will be readily deceived by this wonder-working power. And Protestants, 
having cast aside the shield of truth, will also be deluded. Papists, Protestants, and whirlings will alike accept the power of godliness without the power. And they will see in this union a grand movement for the conversion of the world and the ushering in of the long-expected millennium. Through spiritualism, Satan appears as a benefactor of the race, healing the diseases of the people, and professing to present a new and more exalted system of religious faith. But, at the same time, he works as a destroyer. The Great Controversy, page 588 and 589. Again I quote, In December of this year, the Pope will conduct a grand papal mass in Jerusalem, where all the world religions will participate in this Eucharistic service. This historic ecumenical mass is to launch the Roman Jubilee 2000 and usher in the millennium of peace. Friends, this is the long-expected millennium that the prophet spoke of. Can there be any doubt that probation will soon close? That was taken from Modern Manna, August, September, 1999. Then in the book Maranatha, page 186, as the movements for Sunday enforcement become more bold and decided, the law will be invoked against the commandment keepers. They will be threatened. Unquote. We should not be surprised, for Jesus foretold, Ye shall be hated of all nations for man's sake. Matthew 24, 9. What a description God has given of these things to come. I quote, Marvelous beyond expression is the blindness of the people of this generation. Thousands reject the word of God as unworthy of belief and with eager confidence receive the deceptions of Satan. Nothing can arouse their fears. So fully have they yielded to the tempter. So closely are they united with him and so thoroughly imbued with his spirit that they have no inclination to break away from his snare. He has not yet reached the full accomplishment of his designs, but it will be reached in the last remnant of time. Says the prophet, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs. They are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Except those who are kept by the power of God through faith in his word, the whole world will be swept into the ranks of this delusion. The people are fast being lulled to a fatal security to be awakened only by the outpouring of the wrath of God.
Great Controversy, 561-562. Then in Maranatha, page 209, are these words. The whole world will be converted and in harmony with the Sunday law, unquote. And the Bible agrees. Revelation 12:17, the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. In Great Controversy 590, I read, It will be declared that men are offending God by the violation of the Sunday Sabbath, that this sin has brought calamities which will not cease until Sunday observance shall be strictly enforced, and that those who present the claims of the Fourth Commandment thus destroying reverence for Sunday, are troublers of the people, preventing their restoration to divine favor and temporal prosperity. End quote. Are you ready to live under this threat of death? Inspiration has stated, quote, Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom of for such a time as this. Esther 4, verse 14. Again I quote from Maranatha, page 198. The end of all things is at hand. The time of trouble is about to come upon the people of God. The decree which is to go forth against the people of God will be very similar to that issued by Ahasuerus against the Jews in the time of Esther. Satan instigated the scheme in order to rid the earth of those who preserved the knowledge of the true God." Unquote. Soon, very soon, God's people will be brought to the test. Quote, the Sabbath will be the great test of loyalty, for it is the point of truth especially controverted when the final test shall be brought to bear upon men, when the line of distinction will be drawn between those who serve God and those who serve Him not. While the observance of the false Sabbath in compliance with the law of the state, contrary to the fourth commandment, will be an avowal of allegiance to a power that is in opposition to God. The keeping of the true Sabbath in obedience to God's law is an evidence of loyalty to the Creator, while one class, by accepting the sign of submission to earthly power, receives the mark of the beast, the other, choosing the token of allegiance to divine authority, receives the seal of God. Heretofore, those who presented the truth of the third angel's message have often been regarded as mere alarmists. Their predictions that their religious intolerance would gain control in the United States, that church and state 
would unite to persecute those who keep the commandments of God have been pronounced groundless and absurd. It has been confidently declared that this land could never become other than what it has been, the defender of religious freedom. But as the questions on enforcing Sunday observance is widely agitated, the event so long doubted and disbelieved is soon to approach, and the third message will produce an effect which it could not have had before. The Great Controversy, page 605 and 606. Quote, The members of the church will individually be tested and proved. They will be placed in circumstances where they will be forced to bear witness for the truth. Testimonies, volume 5, page 463. And then in Maranatha, page 110, quote, It is God's purpose that all shall be tested and tried, that he may see whether they are loyal or disloyal to the laws that govern the kingdom of heaven. To the last, God permits Satan to reveal himself as a liar, an accuser, and a murderer. Thus the final triumph of his people is more marked, more glorious, more full and complete. Unquote. Let us consider this test of loyalty. Quote, God has a test for us, and if we come up to the standard, we shall be a peculiar people. The Sabbath draws a separating line between us and the world. Not faintly, but in plain, distinct colors. To those who have reached the light of this truth, the Sabbath is a test. It is not a human requirement, but God's test. It is what will distinguish between those who serve God and those who serve Him not. And upon this point, will come the last great conflict between truth and error. All who profess to keep God's law should stand united in the sacred observance of his holy Sabbath. When the destroying angel was about to pass through the land of Egypt and smite the firstborn of both man and beast, the Israelites were directed to bring their children into the house with them and to strike the doorpost with the blood and none were to go out of the house for all that were found among the Egyptians would be destroyed with them. We should take this lesson to ourselves. Again, the destroying angel is to pass through the land. There is to be a mark placed upon God's people and that mark is the keeping of his holy Sabbath. We are not to follow our own will and judgment and flatter ourselves that God will come to our terms. That which looks unimportant to you may be the highest consequence in God's special plans for the preservation of your life 
or the salvation of your soul. God tests our faith by giving us some part to act in the connection with his interposition in our behalf. To those who comply with the conditions, his promise will be fulfilled. Maranatha, page 150. During this coming temporal millennium, we should remember Deuteronomy 26, 18. The Lord hath avowed this day to be his peculiar people, as he hath promised thee, and that thou shouldest keep all his commandments. I quote, As the storm approaches, a large class who have not been sanctified through the obedience to the truth abandon their position and join the ranks of opposition by uniting with the world and partaking of its spirit they have come to view matters in nearly the same light and when the test is brought they are prepared to choose the easy popular side Great Controversy, page 608. And another quote. As the crowning act in the great drama of deception, Satan himself will personate Christ. The Church has long professed to look to the Savior's advent as the consummation of her hopes. Now the great deceiver will make it appear that Christ has come. In different parts of the earth, Satan will manifest himself among men as a majestic being of dazzling brightness, resembling the description of the Son of God given by John in the Revelation. The glory that surrounds him is unsurpassed by anything that mortal eyes have yet beheld. The shouts of triumph ring out upon the air. Christ has come. Christ has come. He claims to have changed the Sabbath to Sunday and commands all to hallow the day which he has blessed. He declares that those who persist in keeping holy the seventh day are blaspheming his name by refusing to listen to his angels sent to them with light and truth. This is the strong, almost overmastering delusion. Great Controversy, page 626. Let me break in here. Let me read again those words. They are blaspheming his name by refusing to listen to his angels. Are you prepared? for Mary or St. Paul or other apostles to visit you in your bedroom arguing with you that Jesus changed the Sabbath to Sunday? Of course, they are not the Virgin Mary or any of the disciples, but they are Satan's demons. Are you prepared to listen to his angels? Now continuing where we left off, referring to Satan. He will come personating Jesus Christ, working miracles 
and men will fall down and worship him as Jesus Christ. We shall be commanded to worship this being whom the world will glorify as Christ. What shall we do? Maranatha, page 206. Then she describes what will take place. Quote, I saw our people in great distress, weeping and praying, pleading the sure promises of God, while the wicked were all around us, mocking us, threatening to destroy us. They ridiculed our feebleness. They mocked at the smallness of our number and taunted us with words calculated to cut deep. They charged us with taking an independent position from all the rest of the world. They cut off our resources so that we could not buy nor sell and referred to our abject poverty and stricken condition. They could not see how we could live without the world. We were dependent upon the world and we must concede to the customs, practices, and the laws of the world or get out of it. If we were the only people in the world whom the Lord favored, the appearances were awfully against us. They declared that they had the truth, that miracles were among them, that angels from heaven talked with them, and this, notice, and this was the temporal millennium which they had been expecting so long. The whole world was converted and in harmony with the Sunday law. And this little people, feeble people, stood out in defiance of the laws of the land and the laws of God and claimed to be the only ones right on the earth. Inspiration cautions. God's people will not find their safety in working miracle, miracles, for Satan would counterfeit any miracle that might be worked. They are to take their stand on the living word. It is written. Maranatha 209. Finally, a death decree will be issued. I quote, He had power to cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Revelation 13:15. I quote, When Jesus leaves the most holy, holy, his restraining spirit is withdrawn from the rulers and people. They are left to the control of evil angels. Then such laws will be made by the counsel and the direction of Satan that unless time should be very short, no flesh could be saved. Maranatha, page 268. Do we realize what it will mean to be marked for death? in this coming temporal millennium? I read in Esther 3.13, the letters were sent by post unto all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, 
and a cause to perish, all Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day. And notice this, quote, the decree that will finally go forth against the remnant people of God will be very similar to that issued by Ahasuerus against the day, against the Jews. Quote, As the time appointed in the decree draws near, the people will conspire to root out the hated sect. It will be determined to strike in one night a decisive blow which should utterly silence the voice of dissent and reproof. Maranatha, page 269. Thus will come the beginning of the end. Fearful is the issue to which the world is to be brought. The powers of earth uniting to war against the commandments of God will decree that all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, shall conform to the customs of the church by observance of the false Sabbath. All who refuse compliance will be visited with civil penalties and it will be finally declared that they are deserving of death. On the other hand, the law of God in joining the Creator's rest day demands obedience and threatens wrath against all who transgress its precepts. With the issue thus clearly brought before him, whosoever shall trample upon God's law to obey a human enactment receives the mark of the beast. Maranatha, page 215. And now I must plead with you. I'm quoting. The events connected with the close of probation, the work of preparation for the time of trouble, are clearly presented, but multitudes have no more understanding of these important truths than, in, than if they had never been revealed. When God sends to men warnings so important that they are represented as proclaimed by holy angels flying in the midst of heaven, he requires every person endowed with reasoning powers to heed the message. Great Controversy 594. Again from Maranatha, page 260. Papists, Protestants, and Whirlings will see in this union a grand movement for the conversion of the world and the ushering in of the long-expected millennium. Again I quote, The perils of the last day are upon us, and in our work we are to warn the people of the danger they are in. In the very time in which we live, the Lord has called his people and has given them a message to bear. Expose the wickedness of the man of sin. Testimonies to Ministers, page 117 and 118. Did you hear what we are to do? It says we are to expose the wickedness of the man of sin. 
from Review and Herald, August 2, 1998, I read, Our message is not to be one of peace and safety. As a people who believe in Christ soon appearing, we have a message to bear. Prepare to meet thy God. We are to lift up the standard and bear the third angel's message. Our message must be as direct as was the message of John. He rebuked kings for their iniquity, notwithstanding that his life was in peril. The truth did not languish upon his lips, and our work in this age must be as faithfully done. End quote. Never, never forget, great changes are soon to take place in our world, and the final movements will be rapid ones. Testimonies, Volume 9, page 11. So, beloved, it's time to blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain that all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand, Joel 2.1. Turn ye, turn ye, for why will ye die? Ezekiel 18.30 and 32. I close with these divine words of inspiration. We need to be wide awake, wholly devoted, wholly converted, wholly consecrated to God, but we seem to sit as though we were paralyzed. God of heaven, wake us up! Selected Messages, Volume 2, page 52.